Hello and welcome back to Clarissa Explains Life and here we are at episode seven um, and I had to stop and think about that because I had recorded another episode and I lost the whole thing so this is seven part two part one actually anyway um, today I am super excited because my original The original episode seven was just me blathering on by myself. And when I lost it, I lost all interest in talking about what I was talking about on that that podcast. And then I hit upon this idea. Now, my sister Anna and I, who you would have heard in a previous um, podcast, it was our mom's birthday, New Year's Eve. And we sent her this thing called Storyworth. Um, It pops up on ads all the time. And we actually gave it to mum for her birthday present. And what it is, is every week you are sent an email with questions and then you write about the questions. So it's all things to do with one's life. Uh, Last week, mum talked about her early life coming to Ireland. Now, my mum is English, brought up in England uh, in a very, very English household, but we're going to talk to her about that a bit more. And she came to Ireland when I was three, and uh, so early 70s, met my stepfather, Tony, who is a true-blooded Irishman, and she moved over here. But that's for another day. So that's what she spoke about on Storyworth. And I just, it was so fascinating, because over the years I've heard so many stories about mum's life but I, every time she does this story worth piece I still learn something that I didn't know before which led me to think do you know what wouldn't it be great to give to interview her I'm currently living with her and, my, and Tony as mum had a full knee replacement nearly three weeks ago now so it just seemed like a really good opportunity to have a little chat with her about her life and times in London when I when she got pregnant with me when I was born when she met Tony so we're going to cover that sort of you know that time and I'm going to now introduce her hi mom Mitch hi hi Carissa (laughs) she's I'm upstairs and she's downstairs just to say we're doing this on zoom so um, just as well we're on visuals Yes, exactly. For both of us. Well, no, I look quite nice because I've just had an interview. (laughs) Um, So first off, mother dearest, you had a horrible operation three weeks ago, three weeks tomorrow. So how are you feeling? Um, Optimistic. It's very slow, very life impacting, uh, very painful. And if you ask me this in about three months time, I hope my answer will be that it was all well worthwhile. I remember. I would just like to, sorry, just like to say, I am being looked after like some sort of royalty. You are royalty. You're the queen (laughs) mum. Well, you're not the queen (laughs) mum, but you're our queen mum. You're a very easy patient. I can't say the same about the other person uh, living with us. but it's a privilege absolute privilege and just to fill um, listeners in I've had a couple of serious surgeries over the past few years and I've always moved out here and mum has looked after me so I more than owe her this but (laughs) not only that not about owing I'm so happy to be able to do it so anyway so mum we're going to talk about your life after you left school and you came to move to London, how that happened, where you stand in the family, dynamics, etc., etc. Because my under- I'll just give you like very brief, my understanding of it all is that you were the youngest by five years, is it? Yeah. Five years. Mum has three sisters. And Two. Oh, sorry, two. two. There's three of, of you. Sorry, <laughs> stupid. There's three of them, mum being the youngest, and she was in boarding school for most of her childhood, um, very sadly, very, very sort of um, 
straight upbringing and then ended up in London living this real sort of hippie lifestyle and became the hippie that we know and love today so yeah so you know as you said to me the other day you're the generation that you know swung everything around so talk to me you came up to your last year in school boarding school well I think um I need to explain that uh my mother died when I was three yeah and she was only 39 which is horrendous really and my father remarried but he died when I was 16 so I was actually still in school when he died and in this day and age it's it's really quite funny to be talking about attitudes and everything back then and when you asked me to do this I sort of thought well what really in a way has this got to do with quote Clarissa explains life unquote but I think it actually has quite a lot to do with it because my experiences have obviously impacted on your life Mm, of course um and I don't want to sound like a dinosaur from (laughs) the stone age (laughs) too much but I do on I was born in 1945 which of course was the last year of the second world war and I've always had this very very strong belief that my generation were the were mostly most of the generation were the first ones to kick the traces we chose our own music we chose our own um clothes now none of this was happening i have to tell you while i was still at school no none of it no um i was sent to boarding school were you, at the age of- were you aware of it no, I don't think so. You know, no, I don't think so. you didn't sort of, you weren't looking out and I don't mean looking out the window forlornly, but you weren't looking out or looking at magazines no. or and or papers even and seeing that there was a change. Well, well music, perhaps. Mm. I do remember um, we we used to listen to music at school, but like boarding school then was so regulated you know every minute of every day was accounted for and we were obedient little people mostly I have to say that I nearly got expelled but um that's a whole nother story (laughs) but um when I say like the real change came I think in the 60s yeah and you know, it didn't happen in 1945 It because I'm talking about my generation, which was born, we'll say, late 40s in the 50s. So really, it started manifesting itself in the 60s. Yeah. And it must have been terribly difficult for our parents as well to 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 believe that they were bringing up children in one direction, but actually seeing certainly for my parent, my parents, one of them going in a completely different direction. Uh, my mm. two older sisters followed the expectations. The expectations were that you you did well at school, although I did do well at school, um, and got some sort of ladylike career and uh, got married. Mm. I, just, I just want to point out that when, even though your father died at when you were 16 you had two spinster aunts who sort of took on almost a mothering role not mothering role but well they wouldn't they wouldn't give up interest in us yeah yeah Um, I don't think I don't think I've said although obviously you know that my father remarried yeah so I had a stepmother um but my two spinster aunts my my mother was one of four girls and she actually lost a sister her sister died before she did and she was the only one who got married 
because wow. they were the generation whose men went off to the war, First World War, and got killed. Mm. Well, my mother was the only one who actually got married and had children. Um, so her her remaining two sisters always did everything they could for us. They really did. And you, well, as I know, your stepmother didn't. She didn't want to have stepdaughters. Well, the, the only thing she was really interested in was her natural son. Yeah. Who I went on to be the the, the childminder yeah. for, <laughs> Lord, which is mad. Yeah. So, um, so really, I suppose she was the she was the parental influence in my life. I mean, mm. when I come to think about it, she was probably the one who was holding the purse strings, apart from anything else. Um, and my abiding wish was to be a journalist. But she didn't consider that this was um, a ladylike sort of occupation. So she persuaded me to go to secretarial college where I actually did very well. And I can sort of see her in a way I can see her thinking because at that time um, to learn to type and use shorthand. Well, I wonder how many people listening to this even know what shorthand is. But... <laughs> well, I do, because I remember trying to read your diaries in shorthand. Yeah. <laughs> My God. What an admission. Yeah, I know. I'm sure you knew. <laughs> That's why you wrote them in shorthand. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I mean, that would be a great skill. And then, of course, when I got to the end of the course, and I did very well, um, she sort of laid the guilt on me and said oh I've spent all this money you have to get experience now so out I went and got experience and um earned real money and where did you go to college where was it were you still living at home I was I went to a relatively local college right right um not in London that is it was relatively local so did you end up in London doing the work experience? Is that how? Uh, well, at the well, end just of the to course, say you lived at, in the suburbs of London, didn't you? Like yes, in Surrey. Yeah. So you weren't yeah. too far away from London. It was sort of like a half hour train journey. Yeah. 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 Um, so we were then sent, I think, I, if I remember rightly, the college sent us for interviews. Right. I actually can't quite remember how I got the job. But I was sent to a firm of solicitors. Um, and I got the job and they were in Fleet Street, right bang smack in the middle of London. <gasps> Talk about teasing you as well. Fleet Street, the journalistic. That's know. it. Oh, That's exactly. God. So, um, yeah, it was an, a quite amazing training um, in accuracy and preciseness because it was nothing like what there wasn't even word processes mm, then no geez. and certainly not computers so if you made a mistake on a legal document well tough shit because you just had to go and type it again oh my god oh you couldn't even tip exit could you you used to have that corrector ribbony thing yeah that you could do that in a letter or something like that mm. but not in a legal document no. I remember i had something extraordinarily modern called a golf ball typewriter Oh. electric <laughs> and basically it looked just like a golf ball with all the characters and numbers and things on it so as you hit the key mm. the the very clever really the golf ball would go whacking forward and hit the ribbon Jeez. and there was your print oh my god i know that was really really up to date and modern i can tell you and of course you could change the ball and put on a different um font wow yeah so were you did you commute this yes, time to as begin well with, i did indeed to begin with i commuted from home because my stepmother didn't want me living in in london right so what happened like you started working did did you start making friends and you know well to begin with um I traveled up to London every day and back down again. And a lot of people on the train, I would have known they would have been local friends. Right. So it wasn't as bad as it sounds. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But then 
it just all got too much. I, I was not getting on with my stepmother. I wanted some independence. So I did the, um, the famous fourth girl needed to share. Ah. And I moved into a house in Flood Street in London, which is actually where Margaret Thatcher lived. Yeah, excuse me. I know, terribly pish. <laughs> um, and that is where I met, through there, I met everybody who subsequently became my London friends. Right. The first um, day I was, yeah, first day I was there, I walked into the living area and I got a really strange smell. <laughs> And there was a lot of smoke in the air and just shows what an innocent little suburban girl I was. I had no idea what it was. My God. Yeah. Incense, obviously, um, was it? No. <laughs> I'm joking. And um, that's where the hippie lifestyle style started, really. Did you, funny question, actually, I think you told me before you, you didn't start smoking until you were 18 cigarettes mm. is that when you started smoking in general or were you no, a smoker I, before that and then you know I can't actually remember no I think I had started smoking right right I was probably 19 anyway at this stage yeah so yeah they were the most extraordinary group of people I mean they were everything from artists to musicians and everything in between. Wow. Did you feel out of your depth or feel overwhelmed oh, or did you oh, actually think this is where I was always meant to be or? No, it was like alien country. It really, really? was really alien country. So what, what stopped you from running scared? I mean, you must have, there must have been something about it that you were like, I really like this, these people. I really feel comfortable with them. Well, I suppose really um, I had slightly burnt my bridges. Oh, right. If the truth were known, I didn't want to go back to my stepmother's. Mm. I mean, I must have gone and visited the house, I think, before I moved in. I don't actually remember that. But... Um, did you have your own know. room? Yes. Right. It was a big house. It was about, you know, one of those London houses that are sort of... The Georgian. Yeah. Yeah. With houses in the back. Right. Um, I don't, don't remember it terribly clearly. And I suppose really at the end of the day, once I had um, accepted this um, substance that was being passed around <laughs> for inhalation, nothing mm. like that for beating down the walls. Look, Mum, let's just call a spade a spade. It was grass, wasn't it? We of it was. Yes. Of course it was. And in I'm not being funny, but in those days it was so much purer than it is nowadays, mm. you know. It was the sixties, the, the the hippie sixties. I mean Absolutely. Yeah. Know? So those people in that house introduced me, you know, through them I met other people and we just became flower chart children. We really did. I mean, in more ways than many. I can remember going to Covent Garden Flower Market at four o'clock in the morning and um, picking the, the, the when the flower deliveries arrived, they used to pick through them. And um, the the ones that weren't good enough for resale, they'd just sort of throw to the ground oh and we'd God. pick all those up. I can remember standing on Trafalgar Bridge handing out flowers to um to commuters wow i must also say that somehow or another i was also holding down a job <laughs> fair play can't can't knock that god knows how i managed that but anyway i was fun times we did we really we did feel like pioneers mm. we did you like so you were in that the the legal job. So what what happened for you to move out of that and the next subsequent? Well, I saw a job vacancy in the Daily Mail. 
Mm, all right. And I thought, whoopee, you know, <laughs> this could well be the, the step door. in. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to work um, in the um, features department of the Daily Mail as a sort of general dog's body. Right. I was I did research. I got people's lunch. I everything. Absolutely yeah. everything. I worked for about five different um, uh, feature writers. All right. Mm. And then. What? Didn't you work? Weren't you working for a, a music editor? Oh, then? yes. Yes. That was after. Yeah. Um, I met I met quite a lot of people from Private Eye. Right. Dean Private Eye, which probably an awful lot of your listeners have never heard of. Yeah. Explain what um, Private Eye is. Private Eye is a satirical magazine that has been in publication for many, many years. Yeah. Um, a very brave magazine. And um, uh, if my brain hadn't just closed down, I could have named a couple of people that you would have heard of. But anyway, through meeting people at Private Eye, I met another friend who at the time was working for the Radio Times, right. which is the equivalent of the RT Guide. Mm. And I was introduced to the editor of the Radio Times, and he offered me a job as his assistant, which actually was so much more than that, because he was also the rock correspondent for the Guardian newspaper. Right. So I was in seventh heaven. Yeah. (laughs) I used to get the acetate. Um, recordings the first pressings of albums we used to get tickets I went with him to interview people it was just absolutely brilliant and were your friends jealous um I'm so modest I probably never told them (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) I worked bloody hard actually I have to say I did work very hard yeah Um, so go on tell us if I know some of them but tell us a few of the people you met um well well not because I worked for him but my claim biggest claim to fame is that Jimi Hendrix bought me half a pint of beer hmm. in the Arab's head in the King's Road King's Road in London um I did look it up relatively recently when it must have been when he was in London um at this stage, myself and my friend Carrie were living in a flat in the King's Road. Wow. Pretty amazing. Imagine now trying to get a flat in King's Road now. Ooh, actually, there must have been three of us. Who was the third? I wonder, was it Cozy? There was a, no, it was a friend of Carrie's. There were three of us because um, there was one single room and a double room. And um, if you if you wanted the single room, you had to make an make an appointment. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> or it was in rotation. I can't quite remember. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great fun. We were right in the middle of the King's Road. We were on the first floor, so many a, a day was um, was spent hanging out the window. And this was uh, the time of Carnby Street, and you know we'd go to. We'd go to Brick Lane Market um, in London, which is where you'd buy all the old vintage clothes and vintage jewellery. And oh. it was such a nice time. I, I can't tell you. And I'm not surprised when people who love the 60s music and love the 60s way of life actually say, say I'd love to have lived through the 60s. Me. Because you. Me. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, there were those that didn't live through the 60s. No. I'm very lucky that although I certainly um, experimented with with drugs in that yeah. time, I mean, you just did. Yeah. I never got into anything heavy. And how lucky am I? Very. Because I know you know people who did and yeah. Yeah. suffered for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Didn't come out the other side. Um it was a risky time, to be honest with you. It was a very risky time. It's like youth at any time in life, I guess. Exactly. Um, you know, 
you think you're immortal. Yeah. I mean, I can I can remember clearly being up late at night and turning round to a couple of friends and saying, "Let's drive to Cornwall." <laughs> wow! From London. Now, no, you know, back in, then, you back know. then. And actually, I can remember one time when we drove to Cornwall. I think somebody must have had a house down there. Or their parents had a house. I can't remember because we didn't sleep on the beach or anything. Although on this occasion, I did sleep on the beach. <laughs> I fell asleep in the sun. Oh, my God. I woke up and actually suffered from second degree burns. Oh, that memories just come rushing back to me. Anyway, wow. it was fun. It was fun. So were you sort of almost. Um, did your. I'm going to refer to your sisters more than when I say family, I'm talking really about your sisters and slash your stepmother, but did, were they aware of the changes in you? How often, how much oh. contact did you have with your sisters, you know, who had gotten married and sort of were doing the in inverted commas right thing? Um, less. What do you mean? Much less, less much less contact right uh, was that because you knew they would be judgmental yeah possibly mm. but i think also you know what's not put right in front of your face yeah. you don't see anyway you know i rem- don't forget also this was the time of the miniskirt yes <laughs> and i vividly remember going down to see my stepmother mm-hmm. this I can't believe I'm even saying this wearing a sort of yellow and grey striped um, round stripes yeah mini dress that barely covered <laughs> the cheeks in the eye. and she just was horrified <laughs> horrified <laughs> uh, isn't that funny I remember that dress <laughs> um and of course, famously, I, I, you wore a mini dress or skirt when you married my father. I did indeed. Must I did try indeed. and find the picture of that to put up on social media to show people the reality. Um, <laughs> you asked me the other day, or we were talking the other day, if I could remember when I met your father. Yeah. How I met your father. And no, I can't. No. God love you. <laughs> well, I, I would, mean, I'd I, block it as well if I were you. No, I don't mean it I like think, that. Yes, you do. <laughs> I um, I think he must have drifted in. Yeah. To our group of friends, like you know. So go on, tell the Actually, urban legend of how he persuaded you to to, to uh, fall, not fall in love with him, but to um, how well, he got you under his spell. Well. This doesn't actually throw a very, um, a very uh, enhancing shadow on me either. But when I first met John, your father, he told me that he was a Cambridge undergraduate. Yeah. And he had the scarf. <laughs> he had the books stamped with the college, Sydney Sheldon College, Cambridge. He had the book stamped with the college stamp and I would work a full day and then I would type his thesis at night. Now, obviously, from the tone of Clarissa's voice and my voice, you will have worked out already, dear listener. Isn't that what they say on podcasts? <laughs> yeah. but he was not who he said he was. And you must be thinking, oh my God, she must be it really as thick as two shits to have believed that but when you are told somebody is somebody mm. and they actually have the evidence that they are that person why would you doubt them no facebook to check up on or anything absolutely <laughs> not and yeah no, why would I you doubt don't... them i can't believe oh. he made you do that after working a full day's work though yeah. Oh, God. On a manual typewriter. I had a manual typewriter at the time. And I didn't know any of his friends, so it wasn't even... And he... Ah, I mean, when I think about it... I know. But, you know, it is extraordinary. 
And what was it about him that you fell for? Because you obviously did sort of fall for him. Um, okay. He, he really needed me. Yeah. Is the truth. Yeah. And I hadn't had the happiest of upbringings. Now, I didn't have nearly as bad as upbringing as... A billion trillion yeah. other people, but you can only talk about your own exactly. upbringing. Yours um, was very loveless. I mean, you were loved, was, but you weren't. No, like you didn't have even your. You had no maternal, and then you didn't really have a paternal. And I know you loved your father, and I'm sure he loved yeah. you, but it was very much you were brought up by nannies and everything. I mean, that's yeah. like oh, yeah. you were in that sort of house you know that was your family it was very well very well to do you had nannies you were you know you used to be brought to see your father of an evening for half an hour whatever didn't you well we were told my sisters and I were told that my mother didn't really want to have children and she would only have children if she didn't have to look after them wow now we've then those photos the photos I know. that we can see yep. sort of tells a different story. I couldn't agree more. Mm. So that is a confusion that lives on in my head. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think in answer to your question about your father, it is it's quite extraordinary to be needed and to be loved, whatever that means. Yeah. And he was a very needy person, as you know yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, early-ish on in our relationship, I knew that it wasn't right. Mm. I knew it wasn't right. Um, But I didn't have the courage or the emotional baggage to to end it. What did your friends think of him? Do you remember? I think they tolerated him. Right. He was quite good fun. He He was a charmer. He was absolutely a charmer. Yeah. I mean, I, that's he what I remember. He wasn't, uh, for anyone who, like, is, I don't think I've spoken about this, but my father was an alcoholic. And I think you've said before, Mum, that he was definitely probably an alcoholic when you met him. You know, it wasn't sort of over the years. Hiding it, though. Yeah, hiding it. But, yeah. you yeah. know, obviously had that, you know, that dependency. But he wasn't, he was never, well... I was going to say he wasn't an aggressive drunk, but then I've seen I that was what broke my relationship with him was seeing that side of him. But on the whole, he was a bit of a maudlin drunk. But yeah, he was. when he actually died, the people in the pub that he used to drink in had nothing bad to say about him. They just yeah. said he used to sit in the corner and he was very charming and witty and, you know. Yeah. Yep. But of course, Absolutely. it's always the way when you live with someone who has an addiction that people on the outside see a different person don't they absolutely street angel yeah 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 and he so, was he was he was good fun and we used to do things like um uh we'd drive down to the new forest and camp overnight with my cat emma i never tell you that before bring a cat camping <laughs> absolutely oh, oh my god uh-huh. emma the cat oh uh-huh. <laughs> well, she came to did she, she? oh so you got pregnant with me dun, dun, yeah, pregnant. unplanned unplanned obviously and uh yeah my family actually were well I got a kidney infection when I was first pregnant and I was in hospital and my stepmother stormed when you've got a kidney infection you are by definition put in the um gynecological yes ward yeah you know it's the last yeah 
so I was there whether I was pregnant or not but my my stepmother put two and two together and correctly made four mm. I'll never forget it. she stormed in stood at the end of the bed and said you're pregnant aren't you and what did you go what did you say yes what could I say <laughs> oh god what I, say? I know so um then it all you know obviously became common knowledge and Actually, my sister Sarah was very supportive. Um, they did a, a lot of digging around and discovered, gave, I got a social worker and the plan was to have you adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, quite honestly, being pregnant then was unmarried, was, it was quite even, difficult. Even in the circles that you were in, Oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean in the circles you were in, but I mean, even so it was more family than your social group. Oh, no, my social group were were being fine about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, did you feel you were being pushed into that decision while you were pregnant? Or into the decision to have you adopted? Yeah. Or were you just going along with it or was it sort of... I think I was just going along with it. Right, right. It, um, I, apart how from did John course, feel about, about it? Oh, he was quite happy to, with the thought of, of having, having you adopted. Right, doesn't surprise me. In fact, he was in Spain when you were born. He'd gone on hol- holiday to Spain with a friend. You're joking. I'm not. Oh, and... God. Uh, when he came back in those days, <laughs> you could go out to the visiting room and smoke. Oh yeah, and um, I hadn't. I I hate being pregnant. I don't know how I had I four children. I know. <laughs> I hate being pregnant. So you have to take that into account when you when you asked me the question, was I just going along with it? Mm. I had to get through it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, I remember him saying to me, it was, it's a pity it wasn't a boy, then we could have kept it. <gasps> oh, ouch. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, so, God. I mean, 10 days in hospital at that time after you had a baby. Yeah. Um, and there I am talking to all the other mothers about the colour of the nursery and what sort of pram they've got. <sighs> and, you know. and did you still have me then? In the hospital, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that must have been like not I know this where the obviously the story turned out great, but for any woman or girl who that that was gonna happen to, I mean we all know what happened here in Ireland in the Magda you know, with the yeah. the nuns and the yeah. laundries and everything, but if you were knowingly supposed to be giving me away but yet you were given 10 days and you were bonding with me I mean that must have been horrendous for any any poor mother woman it was awful you know you just actually from what I can remember I just actually had to turn off my reality and act apart yeah god yeah as I uh, I've done as you know I've done a bit of work on with with the help of a lovely lady I've done a Mm. bit of work on in the very recent past and um one of the things i've realized about myself is i have a chameleon quality Mm. yeah i I can actually i've been in a lot of different situations where i can't say i feel comfortable but i can do it Mm. anyway yeah yeah and look i mean again i mean we're not going to talk about life up to now but over the years the amount of different ways you've had to chameleonize yourself you know like you go from being this real hippie to then you go and visit your family and you have to step back into that even your accent changes when you've been with them like you know but um anyway what did you call me Uh, no nothing nothing you didn't there was no name given to me not that I remember. Back then, like in the hospital. So it was just the baby. 
Not that I remember, Clarissa. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. So 10 days. Yeah. And the foster mother and the, and did the foster mother come? No, I don't think she did. It was just the social worker came. And, oh, I'm going to get emotional now. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm here. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry <laughs> took you out of my arms off you went Jesus just like that just were like they, that were they care, caring or was there any oh they were no were they just, uh, social work it was really nice yeah oh yeah. that's good because it wasn't like the nuns here then no 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 treat you like dirt um, now what happened next I cannot I haven't got a clue how this happened. But I somehow found out where you were being fostered. Mm. And who was fostering you. I don't yeah. know how I found that out. I, I wish I could remember, but I can't. So I used to go and see you, which, of course, is... Big no-no. And did lethal. the foster mother, she the foster parents' yeah. mother encouraged it obviously well she didn't stop me do you remember her only as a as an idea memory possibly. yeah, fe yeah. yeah feeling yeah but I, I feel that i was unwelcome you do feel or you no, don't no, all right right well obviously you weren't because she didn't report you or anything no so moving so, on Moving on, after about three or four weeks, um, I hadn't told anybody I was going to see you. And because I don't know if it's the same now, but or in this country, but um, you had to wait six weeks after a child was born to right. sign the papers. Right. And after about four weeks, basically, I just had a nervous breakdown. I just didn't give a flying hoot about anything or anybody. I just closed off. Oh. And luckily, at the time, I and was And it was probably, looking back, it was probably postnatal depression as well. You yes. know, as much Absolutely. as, yeah. Actually, I'd never even thought of that. Yeah. As much as everything, you know, all the whole situation. Yeah. And then. Yeah. yeah. So what happened? So I was very lucky in that uh, a very good friend of mine had fairly recently been through some really heavy head stuff. Right. And she had a very good psychiatrist who she could call on. Ah. And she did. She took me back to her house and um, he, well, he dealt with me that night and then he came to see me the next day and talked to me and all the rest of it. He medicated me. Yeah. And um, basically, he told your father that if you were adopted, he wouldn't be responsible for my mental health. Wow. So John turned a corner and said, let's get married. <laughs> and I, taking antidepressants during the day and sleeping tablets at night, said, yes, let's. So we went off to the. Uh, I'm laughing because the the way you're saying it, it's like. <laughs> yeah. And we oh. got married, and two days later, we brought you home. Wow. When did well, you name oh, me? And what? I am so well, sick of people saying, "Where'd you get a name like that?" So please, well, you <laughs> see, I can remember exactly where we were. We were in the in the open air garden in the middle of the um uh what's the that famous wasn't it museum? kew gardens or something i i thought you said no, 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 no it was a museum um, anyway anyway the this museum where mm -hmm. i used to go an awful lot we were sitting there and we said we'll have to decide on a name and 
Clarissa is the name. Now you accuse me of naming you after a cow. Yeah, but I, that's all I ever remember, the urban legend. <laughs> well, let's stick to it. You were named after a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And Lucy after your grandmother. My grandmother, sorry, my grandmother. Ah, right. I, I, I was b- believed it was the Lucy in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> no, but you can believe that if you like. I don't know. <laughs> so I wasn't called after your friend's cow. Did your friend have Possibly. a cow called Clarissa? Carrie. Yeah. Possibly. Or did she name the cow Clarissa after oh, me? I, no, I think there was a cow in a book called Clarissa. Oh God, that's even worse. If I, I honestly can't remember. I mean, there is a, a very, there's a classic book called Clarissa, isn't there? It's something, there's a classics book. Not that called, I can remember. There is, I'm sure there is. Anyway, we'll, anyway. we'll fight over that. Yeah. So, so you came on the 11th that, of October. Wow. That sh- I should celebrate that every year as well, shouldn't I? Possibly. As well as my birthday. Actually, hang on. Maybe that's the day we got married. So it would have been two days later. I can't actually remember. Right. So nearly two months, really. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd already said at that stage that, you know, I, I wasn't giving you up for yeah. adoption. So how did your family react to that? Um, With shock. Mm. Huge amount of shock. I bet. Yeah. Did you go on a honeymoon? Oh, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I'd say the most most we did was perhaps go to the pub. Yeah. So, the, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, let's just call a spade a spade. The marriage was never going to be one of togetherness no. and happiness and love, no. was it? Absolutely not. Not so for not- one single... So I wonder if I'd met your grand your grandmother at that stage, John's mother. I don't think I had, oh. actually. So I might well have still thought that John was a Cambridge undergraduate. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Can't remember. Well, she wasn't at the wedding. Right. No. So when did it all start to fall apart? <laughs> uh, that day. Yeah, <laughs> fairly quickly. Yeah, he. I, no, I must have been around that time that I actually um, did find out the truth of who he was. I'd like to think it was while I was pregnant. I'm not sure because he went to work as a cook for um, a politician whose name has just escaped me. Wasn't it Quite Michael Heseltine? Yes, Michael yeah. Heseltine. Yeah. Tarzan, they call him. Um, and like he was never at home. Mm. Never at home. And you know, like I was just home, home was a, a room in our in a friend in some friends of ours house. Wow. And they were running a restaurant at the time. So their life was completely nightlife. Jesus. So mine rather became nightlife as well, you know. Yeah. I just until the day. Until the day that Auntie Betty came and knocked on the door. Oh, God. You're joking. Yeah. Because they were so worried about us. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm just going to pause this because I need to go for a wee. Back in a minute. <laughs> so we both just took a toilet break there. Much needed. And um, <laughs> I got sort- a cup of tea. Mum got a cup of tea. We've sort of forgotten what we were talk- where we were at in the story. But as I said, I'm actually going to ask her a few questions now. This is uh, testing your knowledge. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, one of the things that I've always, that's always struck me, and I've always said it, and I think you've said it at times, but you've said it almost in a sort of apologetic way, but um, it must have been so difficult suddenly not suddenly becoming a mother but becoming a mother first of all through your whole pregnancy you didn't think you were going to be a mother then you did become a mother and you'd never really had a mother figure you know in your life did you so how hard was it to become a parent 
It's a very interesting question. I think it was very difficult. I mean, it's not like, uh, like you were in boarding school from the time you were seven. It's not like yeah. even you, and I know the stories have been told about your, your nanny. She wasn't a motherly figure, was she? She wasn't very caring. But she, but, um, she actually was, when I was little, mm. she was my security. Yeah. She, Nanny, nanny. I mean, my sisters tell me she was a complete not a cow, but she was my rock. Yeah, she was the only constant in my life. Mm. And when my father asked my stepmother to marry him, and she said yes, one of the provisos was that nanny went. Oh God, nanny was so. Um, angry about this that she literally packed her bags and left and she never said goodbye to any of us. Oh my God, that must have been so traumatic. Although when I come to think of it, I think, were, were my sisters at boarding school at that stage? Anyway, she certainly never said goodbye to me. And although I have very, very little memory of my childhood, somewhere deep inside me, I can feel the utter desolation and shock mm. of her being gone. And was she ever replaced? No. So who looks after you then? Um, Well, I went to live with my maternal grandparents. Right. Um, And my, we had a housekeeper called Isabel. Oh, yes, I remember, yeah. Isabel had a daughter called Liz. Mm. And... Liz was like, she was the same age as me. And Liz was like a sister to me. Now, to this day, I don't know where daddy, daddy, daddy had Isabel and Liz in the house before mommy died. And before, um, before he married our stepmother. Yeah. Um, And Sarah and I were only talking, and my sister Sarah and I were only talking about it the other day. We don't know where he got her from. We don't know whether it was an ad in a paper or what right but she became in a lot of ways she became almost my mother figure even though she was a very bad tempered woman oh really oh Oh, she was yeah but um liz shall i tell the story of liz yeah liz was like my sister even though i went to boarding school like you know we were inseparable in holidays and everything literally and we did everything together and she had a rotten relationship with her mother you know it was a it was a typical um unmarried mother and daughter of that age Mm. relationship so she was like her father had they they weren't married well, we don't even know who her father was. She doesn't oh. know who her father was. All right. I mean, you know, it could have been something as romantic as an American serviceman. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Was yeah, it something you know, to do with anyway, the war? Yeah. Her, her relationship with her mother became increasingly toxic over the years. And she, at the age of 19, she married a man who was, who was just 40. Wow. Uh, and... Um, I completely lost touch with her, Mm. completely lost touch with her. But she was always in my head and I made several attempts to try and contact her. I got a few addresses here and there over the years, wrote, well, I got a few addresses for Isabel, her mother, um, over the years. And I wrote to her and sent a letter to Liz and asked her to forward it or give it to her or whatever, never had any reply. And then about 14 years ago, I suppose, um, while my sister Sarah was staying here, I got a letter from Liz. Wow. Out of I remember that, yeah. Oh. It was so emotional. Oh. And cut long story short, I met up with her a few years back, about three or four years back, and... It was like I looked at her and I thought, I know you. Oh, you know, and we just we went for a long walk 
and uh, actually we went out for lunch and then we went for a long walk and it was just amazing and we've mm-hmm. been in touch ever since we're both far too lazy to be in constant touch <laughs> but actually that's prompting me I must send her an email yeah but we have been in touch ever since how fabulous isn't that just so yeah. wonderful it was absolutely wonderful because as you know Carissa I hate loose ends yeah oh yeah I hate I hate when you have a very good friend that you never, who just seems to disappear or that you have nothing to do with anymore. There's mm. a few in my life, as you know. And actually, my stepbrother was a case in point. Again, he, he poisoned everything around him. But um, we never heard from him after our stepmother died. He did feral dirty mm. on the will because he was sole executive. Executor. And it always was in my head, always in my head. I, know. That I would love, love to have had just touch base with him. Well, it's too late now. And you gone. did try and you didn't try. Yeah. So anyway, just because I'm aware of the timing of this and yeah. I could yes. do this for the whole day. But I know we've got to come to a certain point where we'll have to wrap it up. So back yes. to my question. Did you find it difficult yeah, as a, as a parent, you know, to this, you like know? you didn't, did you have people around you who you could turn to? Oh, nobody I knew had any, well, because Sarah did. Sarah had two children. Yeah. But I didn't have, you know, they were by that stage, they'd moved out of London. I didn't really, you know, none of my friends had children. No. But, you know, <laughs> there's two ways of looking at this. There's one way in that I didn't really have any template of motherhood to follow. Mm. On the other hand, I just had to do everything instinctively. Yeah, and you did. And not always, certainly not always rightly. But, you know, if you haven't got a, a model to, to What, like the time to, that you left the suitcase uh-oh. open and my third birthday, was it? And uh, there was a part of Junior Disprin. Am I saying telling this story right? <laughs> On my you third birthday, and I thought they were smarties and ate the whole lot. <laughs> Ended up in the hospital having my stomach pumped. Yep. Oh, that's right. We've all, exactly Mum, right. that's not being a bad parent. <laughs> that's just me being greedy. <laughs> On my <laughs> birthday. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, I have to say, I have to stop you there. You have just been the most amazing mother. I I know I've had no other mother, and I could have had another mother, but That's you know, true. I do you ever think? Do you? Here's a question for you: Do you ever daydream how your life could have been different? No, never. No, no never. I do wonder, as a lot of a, a lot of my worry issues come from that first six weeks. You know, they do say that whole attachment thing. And I know you were around, but still there has to have been something, you know. And I think that the whole, I've spoken about this before, that I now know that worrying is trying to keep control of everything. Because if you keep control, you feel safe. And I do wonder, is that where it really comes from? That even in your, and I'm not blaming you, I'm just saying even in your pregnancy, with me where you probably didn't you were probably very uncertain about you know all you as I said you all you thought through the pregnancy was that I was going to be adopted so yeah when I did think which wasn't often yeah yeah but I mean um no I've never I mean I've known about that for all my life I've it's never been something I haven't well I'm sure I didn't know about it for a long time but it's never been I am who I am and where I am regardless <coughs> excuse me um well I will just say that whatever about my mothering skills or otherwise um my greatest joy in life is that I've lived long enough <coughs> excuse me to have a grown-up adult relationship with my children. Yeah. It's my greatest joy in life. Yeah. Just 
Yeah, and I think that's a huge joy to us to have that with you, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, as I said, it's been, it's my total pleasure to be here now, mm. to be able to be here as as I am now and not have any worries outside of, well, apart from, you know, the obvious worries, but yeah. to be here and be able to be here. Um. So lastly, I just want to, so you had me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I think if history relates, my father went off abroad as the chef. So you were on your own. No, 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 he didn't go as a, a chef. Oh. He went out, he went out to Africa with, um, with a mutual friend. Oh, right. He went to live in Africa for a while. Oh, I thought he'd gone to Africa to be a chef. No, no, no. Oh, no, that no. was nice for him, wasn't it? <laughs> and you were working as well, weren't you? You were still working oh, when you had me. Absolutely. I worked all along yeah. until I decided. And actually, when from about the age of 10 months, I guess, I was working, as I said before, at the Radio Times. Um, and then I decided to take a, a, career, a career change of direction. Mm. Became a mature student to train as a teacher. Yes. And so, that's pretty amazing. Because well, because I just wasn't seeing you at all. Mm. You know, it was like dropping you off at eight o'clock. We were living in Putney at the time, uh, you know, just on the River Thames, South London. And I'd drop you at the baby minders at um, I don't know what, eight o'clock in the morning or something. And some nights I didn't get back till seven, half seven. God. you know yeah and uh, I know people do it all the time now but actually then it was quite unusual yeah that's what I mean very unusual yeah. and so I thought right I'll apply I'll throw it to the universe I'll apply and I to my great surprise got the job wow I mean got the course Sorry, yeah got the course. yeah but you know like were your friends supportive of you and us? Oh, yes. Mm. Oh, oh, they were wonderful. Actually, I was only thinking about that in the break. Like, I, I used to go and stay with friends, with them, with friends at their parents' house. Wow. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I suppose if, if none of them had children, I was sort of spoiled. <laughs> I was the little novelty, yeah, was I? They yeah. called you pudding. Yeah. <laughs> And they I still you. am a pudding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they loved you. And I, 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 as I said to you, I think it was yesterday, out of my close London girlfriends, mm. I'm the only one who had children. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. It is mad, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Bizarre. Yeah. Um, we won't go down. We won't. This could be a part two sometime in the future. But. To cut a long story short, you met Tony, got pregnant with Anna, moved over to Ireland. And I think that is That's actually a, a story. Huh? Yeah, it's the a end. story in <laughs> itself, really, because um, and hopefully you'll want maybe to come on and tell it another time. I think it's amazing. Well, Even that say, side of it. I'd say you might get feedback of, for God's sake, make your next podcast more interesting. No, mom, honestly. Well, for, well I know this was involved me this story but it's fascinating just I just think you're so I I don't think you give yourself enough credit for how hard it must have been how amazing it must have you know you are to have gotten through that and even I'm sure like I'm sure you've been told this recently when you've been talking to a person but you don't give yourself enough credit for how strong you've been over the years and had to be strong and even from the time of I don't top. think I am. I don't think I am incredibly strong. I think I've just done what I've had to do. Well, yeah, but that can be strong as well. Yeah. Well, it is as it is, as you mm, would say. Don't be dismissive of it. I mean, I'm talking about being strong, losing your mother, being strong, losing your father, being strong, having to go to boarding school at seven. You know, all those things. Very brave. You, you know, you took very brave steps. As you know, when you did leave school and became an independent lady, 
party party girl. <laughs> well, we've only in a way we've only skimmed the surface. I'm not going to dig down into the mud. I know. Well, <laughs> you know what? Sometimes the mud is there for a reason as well, isn't it? I know that. I so, know. yeah, I think I'm going to wind this up. But I think definitely, if you're comfortable doing it, we'll we'll do a part two of your move yeah. to Ireland because that's a whole different story in itself. And absolutely. How absolutely different of a lifestyle it suddenly was for you in so many yes. ways so listen mom thank you so much i'll be down now to to um rub change your back <laughs> change your nappy um and um i've really enjoyed it again i've learned more about you and and our early days and your early days which you know is great well, to I hear would just like to, i'd just like to repeat that I, I didn't agree to do this as some sort of, um, you know, stroking my own uh, psyche. Ego. I agreed to do this <laughs> ego, whatever. I agreed to do this because I feel that it is my early life, particularly our, yours and my early life together, particularly has shaped you. Mm. And that's what this is about. Yeah your yeah. whole series of podcasts are about yeah clarissa explains life from exactly well from my perspective and the people around yeah. me's perspective exactly. the people who exactly. you know have have shaped helped me shape my life and of course yeah. you're the most important person in my life that you know and you will okay. be till <laughs> till my dying day <laughs> let alone yours <laughs> um right goodbye thank you so much and you're very welcome thank you for listening to this podcast as usual you can find me on the usual podcast wherever you find your podcast spotify apple podbean etc and don't forget to hit subscribe and if you enjoyed this episode please share until the next time bye (laughs) 